Chapter 6 of Falcons of Narabedla by Marion Zimmer Bradley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 6 Narayan. But I wasn't. When I came to, it could only have been a few seconds that I was unconscious, it was to hear Everett snarling curses and Idris barking incoherently with rage. I heard Karami screaming my name and started to answer, but the steely fingers were still at my throat, and with that weight on top of me I hadn't a chance. The fall or something had knocked Adric clean out of me. I was fuzzy-brained but sane. I was an innocent bystander again. I could see Everin and Idris in the road, casting wary glances at the brushwood all around them. I could just make out the face of the man who was holding me pinned to the earth with his body. He had the general build of a hippopotamus, and a face to match. I squirmed, but the threatening face came closer and I subsided. The man could have broken me in two like a match. Around me in the thicket were dozens of crouching forms, fantastic snipers with weapons at their shoulders, weapons that could have been crossbows or disintegrators or both. Enter Buck Rogers, I thought wearily. I was beginning to feel faint again, and the old welterweight on my stomach didn't help any. Abruptly he moved, delicate fingers knotted a gag in my gasping mouth. Then the intolerable weight on my chest was suddenly gone and I sucked in air with relief. The fat man eased himself cautiously up, and I felt a steel point caress my lowest rib. The threat didn't need words. I could see the narrow bedlands gathered, a tight little knot in the road. The snipers around me were still holding their weapons, but the fat man commanded in a low voice, "'Don't fire. They're sure to have guards riding behind them.' The voice died to a rasping mutter, and I lay motionless, trying to dredge up some of Adric's memories that might help. But the only thing I got was a fleeting memory of my own football days and a flying tackle by a Penn State halfback that had knocked me ten feet. Adric was gone, clean gone. The Narabedlins were talking in low tones, gamine the rallying point from which they clustered. Everin had his sword out, but even he did not step toward the mantling thicket. Sonara was holding Everin's arm, protesting wildly. No, 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 no! They'll kill Adric! Suddenly, between two breaths, the road was alive with mounted men. Who they were, I never knew. I was quickly dragged to my feet and jerked away. Behind me I heard shouting and steel and saw thin flashes of colored flame. Spots of black danced before my eyes as I stumbled along between two captors. I felt my sword dragged from my scabbard. Oh well, I thought wryly, now that Adric's run out on the party I don't know how to use it anyway. Under the impetus of a knife I found myself clambering awkwardly into a saddle, felt the horse running beneath me. There wasn't a chance of getting away, and the frying-pan couldn't be much worse than the fire anyway. Behind us the noises of battle died away. The horse I rode raced, sure-footed, into the darkness. I hung on with both hands to keep from falling. Only Adric's habitual reflexes kept me from tumbling ignominiously to the ground. I don't think I had any more coherent thoughts until the jolting rhythm broke and we came out of the forest into full moonlight and a glare of open fires. I raised my head and looked around me. We were in a grove. 
tree-ringed like a druid temple, lit by watchfires and the waver of torches. Tents sprouted in the clearing, giving it an untidy, gypsy appearance. At the back was a white-frame house with a flat roof and wide doors, but no windows. Men and women were coming out of the tents everywhere. The talk was a Pentecost of tongues, but I heard one name, repeated over and over again. Narayan! Narayan! the shouts clamored. A slim young man, blond, dressed in rough brown, came from one of the larger tents and walked deliberately toward me. The crowd drew back, widening to let him approach. Before he came within twenty yards, he made a signal to one of the men to untie my gag and let me down. I stood, clinging to the saddle, exhausted. The young man came forward until he could almost have touched me, and studied my face dispassionately. At last he raised his head, turning to the fat man, my captor. "'This isn't Adric,' he said. "'This man is a stranger.' I should have been relieved. I don't know why I wasn't. Instead, my first reaction was bewilderment and angry annoyance. How could he tell that? I was as furiously embarrassed as if I'd been accused of wearing stolen clothing. My beefy captor was as angry as I was. "'What do you mean, this isn't Adric?' he demanded belligerently. "'We took him right out of their accursed cavalcade. If it isn't Adric, who is it?' "'I wish I knew,' Narayan muttered under his breath. His eyes, still fixed on my face, were level, disconcerting. He was tall and straightly built, with pale blond hair cut square around his shoulders, like a squire from a Provençal ballad, and gray eyes that looked grave but friendly. I liked his looks, but he had a trace of the uncanny stillness I'd noticed in old Rhys, in Gamine. For a moment I decided to tell my whole fantastic story to this man with the grave eyes. He would surely believe it but to my surprise he spoke and called me Adric, definitely as if he had forgotten his doubts. Adric, he said, do you still remember me? Or did Karami take that too? I sighed. I didn't dare tell the truth, and I felt too chilled and exhausted and disoriented to lie convincingly. Yet lie I must and do it well. The fat man scowled and fronted Narayan. Karami, Zandru's eyelashes, he growled. Look you, did Brennan come back this afternoon? He knows his way around Rainbow City. Ask Adric what happened to Brennan. The clamoring broke out around us again, but Narayan never took his eyes from my face as he answered gently, There is always danger, Rafe. Blame no man unjustly. Brennan knew he faced all the dangers of Rainbow City and even Adric is not to blame if a she-witch has him under her spells. Traitor! Rafe snarled at me and spat. I loosed the saddle-horn and stepped dizzily forward. You might try asking me, I said with a weary anger. Are you Adric of the Crimson Tower? Fat Rafe snapped. I don't know, I said tiredly. I don't know, I don't know. Narayan's eyes met mine in skeptical puzzlement. Abruptly he put out one hand and took my wrists in a firm grip. "'We can't talk here, whoever you are,' he said. "'Come along.' 
he led me through the thinning crowd into the frame house at the grove's edge. Rafe and one other man trailed after us, the rest clustering high-fashion around the door. Inside, in a great timbered room, a fire burned and glowing globes chased away darkness. I went gratefully toward the fire. I was stiff with writing and I felt chilled and stupid and empty with the cold. From a wood settle near the fire a woman rose. She was slight and dark and around her shoulders the luminescent shimmer of her winged cloak flowed like another flame. Sonara. Adric, she said half aloud, holding out her hands. I took them, partly because she seemed to expect it, partly because the girl seemed the only thing real in a world gone haywire. She flung her arms suddenly around my neck and held herself to me with a shy deliberation. Adric, 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 she begged. I slipped away in the dark. I suppose Gammy knows, but they'll never find me here. No, never. Nereyan's hand pulled the girl sternly away from me. She shrank before the annoyance in his eyes. Please, Nereyan, no. The blond man looked at her without speaking for long moments. At last he said gravely, "'Sister, you must go back to Narabedla. I would not make you go if there was another way, but you must for a time.' He beckoned to one of the men. "'Carol,' he commanded, "'take Sonara back to Rainbow City, but don't get caught. Sonara, tell them you were lost in the woods, or that you were caught and escaped.' The childish mouth trembled, and she turned to me appealingly, but I gave a little shrug. What was I supposed to do? Narayan gave Sonara a gentle push. "'Go with Carol, little sister,' he ordered in a quiet voice. Carol took her arm and they hurried out of the room, the winged cloak she wore fluttering on her shoulders. Narayan motioned to Rafe to follow them through the door. "'I'll talk with him alone.' Rafe's thick lips set stubbornly. He looked as if he'd be nasty in a fight. "'If he's Adric, and if he's under Karami's devilments, then—I have faced Adric, and Karami too," said Narayan, with a friendly grin at the man. "'Get out, Rafe. You're not my bodyguard, or even my nurse.' The fat man accepted dismissal reluctantly, and Narayan came to my side. There was real friendliness in his grin. "'Well,' he said, "'now we will talk.' You cannot kill me any more than I could kill you, so we may as well be truthful with each other. Why did you leave us, Adric? What has Karami done to you this time?" The room reeled around me. I put out a hand to steady myself. When the dizziness cleared, Narayan's arm was around my shoulders, and he was holding me up with a strength surprising in his slight frame. He let me settle down on the seat Sinara had left. You have been roughly handled," he said in apology. Just sit a minute. My men," he made a deprecating little gesture, have had orders, and if I know Karami's ways, you've been heavily drugged for a long time. His eyes studied me intently. Better come and have a drink. And when did you eat last? You look half-starved. That's the way of the Sharig. I rubbed my forehead. I can't remember," I told him honestly. I thought so. Come along. 
Narayan went into the next room, assuming that I would follow and that I knew my way around. After the insanely furnished rooms in Rainbow City, I was a little surprised when the next room proved to be a strictly functional and ordinary kitchen, equipped with the usual items. Out of a relatively unextraordinary icebox he assembled something that looked rather like the food I was accustomed to from the twentieth century, and poured some kind of liquid into an oddly shaped glass. He motioned me into a chair and set the things on the table. Here, eat this. I know the drugs they give you. You'll have more sense when you've eaten. We've plenty of time to talk, all night if we choose." He saw me glance sidewise at the glass, laughed sketchily, and from the same bottle poured himself a drink and sat down opposite me, sipping it slowly. "'Go ahead. I won't poison you till I find out what Karami's up to.' I laughed apologetically and started eating, with a mental shrug. It had been at least forty-eight hours since I had last tasted food, and I did justice to the plateful before me. Narayan sipped his drink, which, when I tasted mine, appeared to be excellent cognac, and watched me. And when I finally pushed the empty plate aside, he put back his glass and said, Now, who are you and what happened? I felt better and stronger more like myself than I'd felt since Reese had catapulted me into this world. But now that I was on the carpet, I felt I must talk fast and convincingly before those searching gray eyes. Karami had shut me in the tower, I told him. I was freed today and we were on our way to the Dreamer's Keep. Then your men came along. I didn't know if I was being rescued or captured. I still don't. I stared with purposeful blankness at Narayan. He stared back and I could feel him debating what to do and say. Obviously an Adric sane and glib and possibly untruthful was a different thing than an Adric too bewildered and shaken to tell anything but the truth. Finally Narayan said, I'm not sure what I ought to do or say, Adric. The bond between us isn't as strong as it was. You know that. I nodded, perturbed. Adric's thoughts seemed to be surging back, insidiously, as if Narayan held the key to unlock them. What crazy drama was going to be unfolded in my mind now? Narayan said, low, Karami did it, I think. Yes. My own voice was as quiet as his own. Karami sent me on the time ellipse. She knew I'd come back changed or mad, or not at all. I think, I think she wanted me to betray you again." "'Adric!' Narayan reached out quickly and grabbed my arm, hard above the elbow, till I cried out with the pain of that steely grip and twisted away, rubbing numbed flesh. "'Adric!' Narayan repeated unsteadily. "'Why do you say, betray me again? Betray me? Adric! It was your hand that freed me. Zandru! Adric, he begged, how much have you forgotten? End of chapter 6